Welcome to Comadre C Comics. Episode number three, guys. How are you guys doing? Hi, I'm doing great. I'm doing good. How are y'all doing? Pretty cool. We're your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jennifer. Excellent, guys. What's the chisme del día or de la semana? What's the chisme de la semana? Chisme de la semana for me, this is Kristen, has to be Gilmore Girls a year in her life. Oh my gosh, I was a huge Gilmore Girls fan uh, when the original series came out and when there was started being talk about this um, this series being brought back to Netflix uh, and uh, there being a revival, I was so excited and I was following uh, all the information and all the, the websites and everything. And so it finally came out on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, and I watched the heck out of that thing. I stayed up until 2 o'clock in the morning watching it and it was everything I wanted it to be. Really? I bawled through every episode. It was only four episodes. Each episode was 90 minutes long. And um, it was called A Year in the Life, and so it basically, each episode um, was titled after a season. So there was summer, fall, winter, um, spring, and um, each episode had something in it that um, called, it was a, a callback to the original series and uh, something that I was like, oh yeah, in fact, I, I, um, I watched uh, some of the last seasons on Netflix because I had missed them. Um, or I wanted to go back and uh, and watch them all from beginning to end, and so I ha- had done that not too long ago, and uh, right before they uh, announced that this was coming out, and so um, a lot of that was fresh in my mind, and it was just so good. And one of uh, the actors, um, uh, Lorelai's father, uh, Rory's grandfather, in real life actually passed away, so oh, there was man. a there was a big part of the storyline that revolved around that, and. Uh, they they kind of showed the uh, the funeral and um, there was just really a nice uh, homage to him uh, as the character and as the actor. So yes, I I bawled through the whole entire thing and uh, the ending was amazing and I won't spoil that. But if you were oh, a Gilmore yeah. Girls fan and you haven't had a chance to watch it, I highly recommend it. Uh, I'd like to ask: Is it something that you could that stands alone? Like, let's say you didn't watch like the last three seasons, can you just like watch it? Like, just watch this. Um, this last season? I think, I mean, obviously you could watch it. You probably wouldn't get it too much as far as like, I mean, you would get it. That's that's what I'm trying to say. But there's just so, there was so much of the characters that were developed and I don't even know how many years Gilmore Girls was out, but there was just so much of the characters and the relationship between the mother and daughter and um, like I would say you could watch it, but I would also say you're probably missing so much. Okay. My next question question was uh was uh, Melissa McCarthy in it? She was. Oh my God! Hey, cool. Right on. She was. Hey. I, I all I say all I'll say is yes, she was. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say I'm not a huge Melissa McCarthy fan except for her role as Suki. That's the only role that, I mean, that's how I knew her. That's how I became familiar with her. And all of her TV, or all of her movie roles, um, I just, it's its kind of been a turnoff to me. So um, I'm glad that she was able to come back and do what she did. And she was, she was still the best, uh, to me, that's her best role ever. That Really? That's okay, oh, yeah. Cool, right on. Exciting. <laughs> I, 
I think I'm going to go back before yeah. I, I go and watch it. But, yeah, I'm excited about that, too. Yeah. I mean, I really like uh, – I've always liked Gilmore Girls just because I always thought that it was um, really a, a shout-out to uh, single motherhood and, and also just uh, strong, independent females um, with Rory also being um, a, a young girl who kind of was out of her element uh, with her her – background her family having money but her and her mother not really so it was kind of like a fish out of water story um, a lot of times but I really 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 enjoyed uh, this uh, revival and um, recommend it highly to everybody excellent I can't wait it's <laughs> pretty awesome I personally have never seen Gilmore Girls yeah. so <laughs> so I know a lot of people have been excited and good for them that's uh, something cool to be excited <laughs> about but uh, my cheese meal the last semana is more um, uh, everyone should go see Arrival because I went to go see it on Saturday uh, after work and oh my god it's so good it's it is seriously one of the greatest sci-fi movies I have ever seen. So I have to say I had never heard of it until I saw you posting on Facebook that everyone needed to see that. What is it about? So it's basically kind of a first contact kind of thing, like um, uh, aliens uh, arrive uh, to the oh. Earth, and they set up in 12 locations all across the world. And um, uh, it's uh, it's basically a first contact kind of thing. Okay. And... Um, uh, what I really, really like about it, though, is the fact that it is very much the opposite of War of the Worlds. I do love War of the Worlds. It is a, it's, it's a classic sci-fi piece, but um, uh, this wasn't an, um, uh, uh, basically a metaphor for imperial colonialism. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, it had, um, uh, it had a, not exactly elements of horror, but basically of the other of like basically uh-huh, the, but instead uh-huh. of being like oh we should be afraid of this it was very much uh, kind of like uh, uh, un- we, we shouldn't be afraid we should uh, definitely try to communicate and that's what this was this was all about it was about communication uh-huh. it was about um, um, language and language barriers and that very much can work as a metaphor of how we don't understand like people, uh, others of our own culture, mm-hmm. but also just like if there ever really was a kind of first contact thing, the first problem that we would encounter is language. Yeah, especially like how do we communicate with um, uh, an entirely different um, um, language? Like, um, like I especially really liked it because I, I'm learning Japanese, and so mm-hmm. and so it's just a uh, how you write. Japanese is basically with, um, uh, with it's it's three sets of languages. There's well, three sets of, of basically written characters. There's hiragana, katakana, and kanji. And basically, the way kanji works, which is what most people are familiar with, is that the pictures mm-hmm. is like there or they they used to be pictures that have evolved to become more complicated and complex. And that's basically what they focus on uh, on this. Uh, what should we call it? Uh, in Arrival is basically that the aliens come and of course they, the military's there, but and the uh, what you call it the physicists and the people, the basically the science people uh, are there too trying to figure out how they achieve light speed travel. But and this one is one that they don't focus on a lot in, ma- in a lot of major sci-fi movies is that 
they bought the linguist, mm-hmm. the the per the person who is supposed to achieve communication with these beings. And I love that because I'm such a language person because I am actively interested in other languages. Yeah. So it's just uh, I I that's what I love most about this film is their focus on communication and how language works. And everything was like so correct. I was just so like, oh my god, they find <laughs> like if there if there ever was a job for me, somehow when we achieved space travel or came across aliens, this is literally as close as possible <laughs> as to my dream job that I could that I could achieve. Being a non-science person right. is language. Like that's it. Sign me up. I want to. I want to talk to aliens. <laughs> that's a, I, I want to crack their language. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> so then I'm assuming that there's no Twilight Zone um, uh, part of the movie where the linguist runs out. It's a cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, no, not not very much, but they. It uh, it does have very much a Twilight Zone feel, okay. Especially when we get the first view of the aliens, is because uh, not to spoil anything, but they're definitely not human and um, uh, humanoid and kind of like they're not even humanoid, uh, and that's and I also it always interests me how movies deal with that yeah, when they too, show exactly. what uh, aliens have tentacles, yeah. they have. You know, claws. Do you know? Yeah. I, I really love. Yeah, that. and so just not not to give the. They're definitely not humanoid, but there's definitely kind of. Um, I very much like the f- the their use of, I guess, beauty in this as well, mm. and maybe even a critique of how, uh, kind of like when the aliens are evil, they look ugly. Yeah. But when they're benevolent, they look like us and they look beautiful. Interesting. Yeah. And so like with um, light and bright with and lights and the brightness and everything yeah. and um, um the only other basically sci-fi that i've seen that doesn't really play into this is star trek but sometimes it does that as well too it makes the uh, some some aliens like ugly and therefore they're like mean stuff like that mm-hmm. but they've um uh sometimes they do that other times they're very good like uh like no man like the klingons they're cool they look different but they're cool and all that mm-hmm. stuff um and but this one they i i really like the fact that they made them non-humanoid and kind of well i guess um uh, ugly as well as beautiful is subjective but they're definitely different and like very different and um, um and i guess it may be even disturbing to some people who um uh, but it's just just because they look Ugly doesn't mean that they're going to be like the villains of this, um, uh, what you can call it, of this film. And I, I love that. I absolutely love that because I'm just like, yo, like, <laughs> like there's a, there's a lot of weird things that are out in space, and aliens are gonna be among them. And so, like, we shouldn't fall into the stereotypical human thinking of beauty equals good, ugly right. equals bad, when that's very much not the case. Well, that sounds cool. Uh, it was not on my radar at all before I saw your Facebook post, but your uh, description of it right now actually makes it sound like something I'd be totally interested in. Hey, absolutely, yeah. I, I actually read um, some reviews that say that it's like a really excellent, excellent film. It's one of the best of the season. So I'm like, wow, no, wow. That's, that's really high praise. So I'm, I'm, I can't wait to watch it. I, defi- I definitely agree with that. I think it's. Uh, I think it, it, it's great. It's it's up there with 
like it's it's up there. It's a really great sci-fi film. Excellent. Oh, cool. I can't wait to watch it. Definitely. So, Sarah, what is your chisme de la semana? Uh, well, me, I actually wanted to go see uh, At Home with Monsters. It was a exhibition from uh, Guillermo del oh, Toro yes. uh-huh. at uh-huh. LA County Museum of Arts, or otherwise known as LACMA. Um, it was in um, on display from um, August 1st to November 27th. So, of oh. course, uh, I, you know, I, I had been... Darn um, it! I know. <laughs> I, uh, I had been... Uh, I had gone to the Tim Burton one, which was... Oh, oh yeah. And I actually ended up going to that one at about midnight. Mm. So, um, when I remembered again about this exhibit, and I thought, oh, no, my husband's gone. But, you know what? I'll go by myself. I don't mind. Like, whatever. So, I went online to get tickets because you can't just yeah. go there and yeah. expect to get in. So, I went online to get tickets and I said, I'll go to a minute show on a Sunday. I don't care. Um, no, it just, it was all sold out. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I didn't end up going. So, my chisme de, de la semana is never wait, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, my, if I can take, if you can take away anything from this is do not wait. Like, I'm sure that during, like, between August and November, I'm sure there was, like, a lot yep. of available dates. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we wait till the last minute and, or, you know, whatever. And I think one of the things that I learned that you should do is to buy your ticket so you have committed to go. Good point. Yeah. The installation before this one was actually a Maplethorpe um, installation that I was like, oh, I want to go see this. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. And Maplethorpe has always been someone that I've been, I've been fascinated with his work and his photography. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I was looking at the schedule, and I saw it, like, in the very beginning of when it was. I was like, oh, I have plenty of time. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing I know, I see the Guillermo de, Tor- de Toro uh, uh, installation. I'm like, wait, what happened? And yeah. then same thing. Uh, someone, so many of my friends went and were like, oh, it's awesome. You should go. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go. Mm, now it's over. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, you know, one of the cool things is because we're in L.A., we're able to, like, go at any time. Yeah. Uh, for instance, I went to go see the bodies exhibit like around oh, yeah. like uh, one or two in the morning. And oh wow! Like, nice. Uh, you know, during the during the time where there's like a lot of sales, they'll open up the hours like after hours. So. Um, you'll get to do something like you've never done, like go see an art exhibit at like 3 a.m. Yeah. You know? Oh, I had no idea. I had always wanted to see that one, too. And also the other thing that I wanted to see that I missed was when um, King Tut's uh, uh, sarcophagus was here. Yeah, I that would have been awesome. I went to that one on a school field trip. Oh, wow. uh-huh. Ages ago. It was paid for, and we got to see it. Oh, that's it cool. Was, it was Legit. Yeah. I wow. loved it. I, then again, I've always been a museum whore. Yeah. Me mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that term, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it. Museum whore. I'm stealing that, by the way. <laughs> All right, well, the ahead. thing is, is that I totally would love that stuff, and I could spend hours and hours and hours, but it just is never on the forefront of my mind, and I'm like, oh, what should I do today? And plus, um, it's kind of uh, sad that... Uh, a lot of people don't realize that there are um, days when museums open for free oh, yeah, um, on a monthly basis. And so um, yeah, and even though resident. I know that, uh, I still don't do it. So <laughs> that will be my New Year's resolution. Oh, that's <laughs> a great idea. Get up all the museums. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's one of the things I was telling my husband because he's like, we should do that. We should have nice, clean fun, like learn something yeah. new. <laughs> clean fun. And I say clean fun because we're always like at home drinking or yeah. something. You know, we'll go to a brewery or a bar or whatever. Yeah. So clean fun would be like going out mm-hmm. into the world, you know. 
culture culture and stuff but educate I educate yourself and and one of the things I tell them I'm like you know when we go it's gonna have to be like a good four or six hours yeah. you know yeah um and and it's because of that I think um it hinders a lot of us and I think we should just make the move to just go and then whatever time yeah whatever time we're done yeah mm-hmm. um maybe take a snack or whatever but um that's something I really want to do definitely because I miss this and I and I love his work I love his work and from the pictures p- people have posted I up, know, I'm yeah. just like, I really miss a good, yeah. a great one. It was, you know, and to see the look on people's faces when I tell them that they're Tim Burton fans and I tell them I went, the look on their faces is like, man, I feel your pain now. Like, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Pain, yeah. But is, uh, what nationality is uh, Guillermo? Um, well, I think he's a Mexican. Okay. Um, he's Mexican. He, I just learned that he's related to uh, Benicio del Toro. Okay. Um, okay. And, um, but I think he got his break in Spain. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So most of his work is like produced in Spain, like uh, The Devil's Backbone, mm-hmm. uh, um, what is uh, El Laberinto del Fauno, which is Pan's Labyrinth, mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he had another one about, um, it was about fairies, tooth fairies. Oh, but it was it wasn't kind of in that that mm, kind of that, that subject, but it was totally dark. Ah, I forgot. Yeah, but it was also a Spanish from Spain yeah, actors yeah. and stuff. So yeah, his work is amazing. Oh, what that's cool. had Crimson Peak also because I just rewatched it again. And oh, was he Crimson Peak? Yeah, he was oh, Crimson Peak. Okay. Oh, he and was, yeah. I love Crimson Peak so much. It's I just, so, you know, I saw it in Spanish, and I'm like, oh, did yeah. you really? Oh. Well, that's because my husband speaks Spanish. Yeah. So, like, most of the movies we watch together, we watch in Spanish. Right, right, yeah. right. Uh, sometimes we do subtitles when he can, when he's in the mood to read, but, <laughs> um, but sometimes I feel I miss a lot of the humor when I watch him. Oh, an English movie in Spanish. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, and where is your husband from again? Uh, Nicaragua. Interesting. Yay. That's a really, a really nice segue <laughs> yeah. to um, the the book and the uh, the creator that we're going to be talking about today. So we decided to do the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh, written by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. And he is actually That's a very sexy name. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, I'm like, well, oh, I don't know. know. I think I, I think it was the way you pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't sound that sexy in my head. Because <laughs> I I do it with the full Spanish accent. Okay. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. I like it. But um, uh, either way, Google him, and he's not that bad looking. Anyway. <laughs> but anyways, um, um. Roberto is, um, uh, he is the son of a Nicaraguan diplomat. So he is a Nicaraguan American himself. He was born in Washington, D.C. And um, he has, uh, uh, he's, has, he's very prolific. Uh, he's, um, he's not only is he a comic book writer, he's a playwright and a screenwriter. Uh, he is also the chief creative officer of Archie Comics. Now, uh, Kristen was telling <laughs> us earlier that she didn't know that Sabrina was part of the Archie Comics, uh, basically, I guess, universe, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that either. I so didn't either. Yeah, the only place I knew Sabrina from was from Sabrina the Teenage Witch on TV. Yeah, was I love the, it. Was it uh, Melissa Jones? Melissa? Oh, M- Melissa Jones. Yeah, Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah, she was Sabrina, Hart. right? Yeah. yeah, she was also Clarissa. Clarissa <laughs> tells it, explains <laughs> it all, right? Yeah. 
which I also used to watch uh, a lot. But, um, yeah, that's the only place I knew Sabrina from. I had no idea that it was a, a comic. And oh, I, no. I find that often with TV shows or movies that I've watched. And now that I'm working in a comic shop and I see a book, I'm like, wait, this was a comic? Exactly. I had no idea. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that's super cool. And, uh, yeah, with Archie... Um, the Archie world and the fact that um, she kind of is uh, part of uh, all of that makes me kind of want to go back and read the Sabrina stuff. I know it's kind of more teeny bopperish, um, mm-hmm. but as a kid, I used to read Archie. I used to that those were the books that were in the the um, the comic section of my library when I was mm-hmm. a kid. Um, I actually did see Archie a lot uh, when I would go grocery shopping, and it was oh, yes. right in the uh, checkout yes. stand. They're still there. They are. Yes, they're still there. That is one of the um, the places that you can still find comics uh, in the grocery store at the checkout aisle. They still have Archie comics. Wow. <laughs> I, for one, um, have had a, a little thorn in my heart for Archie only because of the odd shape of the small book. It was just so hard to pack when I used to work. Yeah, they're digest size. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And it was just really annoying to try to get them in a certain way with other books and not bend everything. Um, so yes. I, um, I, it, it warms my heart to know that at actu- that thought actually crossed your mind because you would not think so the way that you see them back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, so. I, I know the value of a good comic book. So yeah. I, I, you know, I would try to do my best. But, um, yeah, they would always rattle. And... Um, that would be like the bane of my existence. <laughs> I do not want to pack the Archies. So um, that just kind of deterred me from actually reading any Archie comic books. But reading this book and then um, knowing that it was the uh, Archie universe, um, I'm really surprised. Yeah. I'm really surprised. Um, well, uh, how good it is. It's really good. Roberto actually, um, before writing this Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, wrote another um, off the beaten path Archie book, which was um, Afterlife with Archie. And um, that book is a book that focuses on the Archie gang um, in Riverdale. Um, during a zombie apocalypse. And Sabrina actually has a small role in that book. Small, but very important. Yes, very important. She, (laughs) she, uh, well, it's not really exactly a spoiler, but she is actually the reason the zombie apocalypse breaks out in Afterlife. She has a big hand in it. While reading this book and then knowing there was a a, a zombie Archie book out there, I kind of figured they'd be tied in that it was her fault because she seemed like, to meddle a little bit yeah, too much yeah. in her little magic. <laughs> <laughs> but what other interesting things did you find out about uh, Roberto, Jen? Well, he is, um, uh, I believe he is gay as well, and he has won a GLAD award. Oh, awesome. Uh, he's, nice. he's won quite a few awards. And um, he's written um, uh, Fantastic Four Season 1, which it was, I believe, a straight-to-graphic novel um, uh a story of, of basically a retelling of the origins of the Fantastic Four. Oh, cool. So meaning it didn't come out in singles first? Yeah, it did oh, not okay. come out in singles. There's there's a lot of those. Uh, there's like Iron Man Season 1, Avengers oh. Season 1, and all of these are basically retellings about, of the origins of most of these characters. Like uh, Doctor Strange, uh, there isn't a season oh, one, yes, but it's uh-huh. a strange origin, yes, but yes, it, yes. it belongs uh-huh. to that. It belongs to that group as well. So he's just he's written a lot, um, uh, and he's and he's actually he is currently uh, he is the writer for Riverdale. 
Uh, oh, the new Archie-based TV show that's yes, going to be coming out soon. Yes, released wow. pictures. And um, this could just be me, but I very much like those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm super excited about uh, this, knowing that he's the writer and knowing the um, the way that he has taken the Archie universe and uh, reimagined it into these horror-type um, genre books. And I know that I don't think that Riverdale is going to be horror-based, but I did read something somewhere that said that it was going to kind of have like a Twin Peak-esque. Uh, feeling to it, and that really super excites me. Oh, yeah, gosh, I'm all really? for that. I'm <laughs> all for that. You know, that wasn't on my radar at all. But now that you are telling me that it has a Twin Peaks kind of feel, yeah, I'm I'm in. Yeah, I'm, in. I'm definitely in. Mm-hmm. Especially based on a comic book character, and now yes. knowing that he's going to be part of you know the team that's working on this series, I'm going to be so in. Definitely. I mean, there's so many people who walk into the comic book shop and uh, tell me that Archie was their gateway comic as a kid. Wow. Uh, and it really warms my heart to know that Archie is going to be now exposed to so, to so many different. Um, uh, decades of of people of uh, you know people who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s who read Archie's as kid Archie as kids kids who come in and are seeing the new Archie stuff it really uh, it, it really makes me excited and happy to know that this TV show is coming out and hopefully we'll get people into interested into the books excellent excellent. I mean, also, he's worked a lot on TV. He has written some uh, Glee episodes and mm-hmm. some Supergirl episodes, which I am currently oh, watching. Oh, yeah. Yes, so, um, yes. so this guy is super talented. He has his hand almost in a lot of the things, and he expands the comic universe into TV. So I, I really love his work. I'm really, really, really uh, happy to also find out that, uh, I think I mentioned Stephen King is my favorite writer. He was also the person who um, adapted The Stand, which is my favorite Stephen King novel. He uh, adapted The Stand into comic book form, into the trades. Um, I think Stand actually came out in single issues. Um, yes, it did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, post-apocalyptic story, for those of you who don't know, uh, and... Um, it's such a good book. Uh, the, the, I think it was a TV uh, series that came out. Oh, it was it, like mm-hmm. a, it was a, um, a limited like uh, TV, like a mini series. Yeah, mini series that came out. And I mean, always, I'm always saying that the TV and movie adaptations of Stephen King uh, books short. kind of fall short, which this kind of did to me as well. Um, but the uh, the book that um, I think I read the first trade, I really enjoyed it a lot. So um, and now that I am kind of in know that he is the person who wrote it, I'm kind of interested in going back and reading it um, again and reading further because there's quite a few trades that are out. Yeah, I believe we have all of them. Yeah, but going back, um, uh, he's he very much is kind of heading this like horror universe. Uh, for Archie Comics, and in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, it opens up with a letter, well, basically an introduction that he wrote that's basically, that I think describes the book perfectly. He describes it as a mix of um, um, Rosemary's Baby, The oh. Exorcist, The Omen, yes. and Arthur Miller's The Crucible, and he yes, cannot yes. be any more correct <laughs> because it plays up on all these elements. And it's just I I very much love the dedication to 
uh, to the witchcraft here and how um, um, basically I like the language he used, he was very yeah. intuitive on the language he used as far as describing things like the familiars and you mm-hmm. know like just using the actual um, language that they use in the witchcraft genre mm-hmm. yeah and it's just like it's stuff that stuff that you would that you would read like in stuff like the Exorcist the Crucible and all that stuff he very much takes um, uh, the the extreme paganism that people see witchcraft and crafts it into a very great story so um, uh, I I really loved it and um, uh, um, there was some few twists in here that really caught me off guard <laughs> I was just like what so just to give people a little bit of an idea of, of what, how this book is laid out, the book is um, the book is set in the 50s and takes us through, um, I believe, into the 60s as well uh, when Sabrina is in high school. But we we meet Sabrina Spellman um, and we we kind of uh, learn a little bit about her backstory about how she came to live with her two aunts. Um, what was it? Uh, Hilda and Zelda? Hilda and Hilda Zelda. Hilda and Zelda. Yes. Um, and um, why she's living with them and what happened with her parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, um, it's like Jen was saying, very, very heavily um, into the witchcraft um, folklore and storyline of, uh, if you watched Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, of um, how she became a witch. And uh, she is, just like in the, the TV show, she is what they consider a quote-unquote half-breed. Her mother was um, a mortal and her father was a warlock. Um, warlock. Yeah, so and it's really, uh, it, it's, it is not what you would expect from an Archie comic, is what I guess I'm trying to say. Um, it's very much, um, as Jen was saying, how he described it in the beginning, very much a cross between those three things, uh, Rosemary Baby, Exorcist, Omen, oh, four things, and Crucible. Um, so I, I want to put that out to you guys. Um, if you have any apprehensions about reading this book because it's an Archie book and it, it deals with Archie characters and, oh, that's just not your thing. Um, if you are a horror fan uh, or you have any kind of um, uh, uh, interest in interest, the yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Dan, so, um, so I'm interested, Sarah, to hear your take on it because um, I, you were saying that you waited to the last minute to read this book because you had, you really don't have anything to do with uh, an Archie book. Um, absolutely. I actually, like I said, I kind of dislike the whole Archie thing. I never really gave it a chance. I never tried to give it a chance because of the size of the book and you know how it was really hard on me during the time I worked at Diamond, but. Um, and then when you said that it was from the Archie universe, when we were talking about reading this one, I was like, okay, um, yeah, I'll give it a chance. But when you handed me the book and then um, you said it was Sabrina the Teenage Witch, remembering the show, I was like, oh, man, I don't think I'm going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, you kept saying that it was like a different type of story. And I was like, but I... You know what? I, I it kind of went in one ear and out the other. So I finally said, "Well, we have to read it because <laughs> we're gonna do a podcast on it." <laughs> and so then um, I finally, when I like actually opened it, the art 
just jumped at me. Oh, yeah, uh, what is yeah. this, what is this pastels? Because my God, the the, the artwork was sensational. At at first mm-hmm. glance, yeah. that's what caught me. It wasn't really the um, actual mm-hmm. uh, cover, and it goes so well mm-hmm. with, the, with the, the darkness yes. of the story. It is. It always surprises me how sometimes uh, the marriage between the story and the storytelling and the artwork just happens so fluidly and. Um, when when that happens, I think, how did they do it? How did they know that it was going to work? And for for instance, when I when I flipped through this book, finally, um, I was like, oh my god, I should have opened this like two, <laughs> ten days ago. The like, interesting thing too about the artist is I read in here that um, he was just a cover artist. He had never really? done yes. inside work before. And so when um, Roberto went to him and said, what do you think? Can you do this? The guy was like, um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. And originally, their original intention had been he would just do the inks, um, basically the drawings. Oh, yes, yes. The drawings uh-huh. and the inks, and that would be it. But they couldn't find a colorist. Yeah. So they just asked him again, can have you done coloring? He had been yes, but only on a small scale. Yeah. Never on a full page, like, like full panels and everything for mm-hmm. a full story. And he does an amazing yeah. job. Like, like it's it's top notch. The 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 color, like you said, the colors go well with the the, t- the overall tone and feeling yeah. of the story. W- one of the things I really I'm sorry to you, but one of the things I really loved about it when I opened up the book was it sort of looks like uh, uh, the w- the method they use was pastels and the graduation between like um, the horizon of the color into like the 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 rest of it, mm-hmm. the graduation of you know um, I, I I don't know what you call it what the I don't know the shading. Uh-huh. Um, it's radiation. It, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just like, whoa! What did they use? Was it pastels? Was it watercolor? I mean, I'm just like, it looked very watercolor. Yeah. Actually, I was just blown away. Like, I don't know. Just, I mean, um, and nothing is solid. Everything is kind of contoured in a sense. Uh, one of the things that um, I guess, I, I, if if I'm describing it via audio, I would have to say like. Um, you see the girl uh, Veronica, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, when you see her in this book, because she makes a cameo appearance, she looks like Betty Page. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, and it's not like a one-dimensional Betty Page; it's like you know, full-on Betty Page. So, yeah. um, kind of take that with the grain of salt, and then just kind of like add the fact that to me it looks like pastels. Um, I think you'll know that this this has a lot of depth and and kind of a lot of um, uh, I don't know what to call it. The art, the art blew me away. Uh, it just was a beautiful marriage with the story. The story, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, reading it, I was just like, this is really good. I should have. And then once I started, I couldn't stop. And then when I finished, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, it was just so good. I um, I particularly did not fall in love with Sabrina as a character. Uh-huh, but I uh-huh. loved everything around it. Yeah. Like, oh, I okay. just thought it was great. Like, mm-hmm. the whole, like, what develops as a story as a whole more than falling in love with characters. Okay, I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. It was kind yeah. of hard for me when I first I read it the first time. I read these um, this story in single issues, and it was hard for me to separate the Sabrina the Teenage Witch character that I knew in my head um, to the Sabrina that I was reading here in this book because Sabrina on TV is so wholesome and good and always makes the quote-unquote right choice. Mm -hmm. And in this book, 
one of the main storylines is Sabrina choosing to choose a path of darkness, which is literally marrying herself to the devil. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there, so yeah. She literally yeah. is writing her name on the book. Yeah. Yeah. And in front of the devil. Yeah. Um, Wait. Um. Spoiler. Do you mind oh shoot! I'm oh. sorry. I did. Oh uh, no! Not all, not all, no! Not only that, but no. I was talking about like I don't. I don't think she actually does. She wrote Sabrina, right? No, I don't think. I think Har. Uh, I, Harvey. She was interrupted. Yeah, I think. She, yeah. She was. She was interrupted, and also later on in the scene, we see her crying. She's actually crying. And like you can see, like tear tear truck, mm-hmm. and I remembering yeah. in the book and, and that one they of those said, said witches don't cry. Witches, cry. yeah, they can't cry because yeah. they have no tears. Uh, what some call it, and so I think that's why I think she, in the end, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't fully commit because we see her crying later on in the book. So she's not, um, uh, she hasn't had the unholy baptism. It just, I just love how they split <laughs> everything, like. It's a uh, it uh, it really it's, it's kind of this is gonna sound weird but it sound it the overall feel was basically it take Catholicism and flip it upside down or well take the ideal of Catholicism and flip it upside down and that's what everything that the well what was it called the Church of yeah what was it called um oh the Church of Night oh yeah yeah Church of Night and it's, and it's yeah the basically I'm a and it's a uh, it's basically uh, the Church of Night is everything flipped upside down. Mm-hmm. The where the basically the highest oh, in Catholicism it goes uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in Sabrina they do have a saying similar to that, but it's Lucifer. Uh, and I think like the Antichrist and the unholy spirit. And I just, I just thought, <laughs> I, I, I just like, I was just like, oh my god, that's that's so funny. Yeah, like, it's, it's like, clever. It, yeah. If you don't take it to the head, as most kids say, it's very clever. It's really well written. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if you don't get uh, what is it called easily offended, I think yeah. you'll look past these little things that make it funny mm-hmm. and 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 awesome. I think. Well, yeah, I don't think like because uh, I I am a practicing ca- uh, Catholic, so uh, I wasn't I I wasn't offended. I was just like, oh, this is uh, like this is pretty clever, and I just like I liked seeing that upside down flip. So I mean, I guess I mean it's, I can um, see how it would be disturbing to some people. One yeah, absolutely, and, and it it is very clearly their religion. Mm-hmm. Their witches, where their religion is. Um, they their their deity is uh, the devil, mm-hmm. um, and they they think they refer to him as the, the dark prince or something like that. In here, he's the dark lord. The dark uh, lord, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, you're you're dealing with um, the storyline where Sabrina is having to decide uh, whether or not she is going to become a witch. Which is not the cutesy little witch in uh, the yeah, TV, TV show. TV this show. is literally the witch where they eat human flesh to sustain themselves. Yep. And um and they are in they give themselves over to the devil. Yeah. Um and her the op- the opposing choice is um for her to uh, remain human. 
Yeah. Uh, live as a mortal. To live as a mortal, uh-huh. um, where she will uh, be losing her powers slowly over time to the point where she will lose them completely and um, mm-hmm. she will age like a mortal, she'll die like a mortal. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she. I'm so sorry to yeah. One of the things that really, like, um, I, I kept my eye on, that caught my eye was saying, uh, you will live like a mortal, including find true love right true love like right that. that's so that that was definitely one of the things that the ants uh highlighted for her that is if you are going to live as a mortal that will give you the opportunity to find love like a mortal and as we see here in the book she's a teenager she's in high school she has a boyfriend her boyfriend is harvey kinkle just like in the tv show mm-hmm. and um she really um, thinks that he might be the one. So um, that is her choice that she has to make of whether or not she is going to um, to choose to become a mortal and maybe see where that's going to go or to uh, to go uh, the witch's path and um, and walk the night. Walk the night. What yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like about this story is that it's you know they're grooming her to be in the path of darkness but they're clearly giving her a choice whether she can choose the right dark yeah. or the night. I like that yeah, I, I like, really like yeah. that because the ants actually specifically talked about how in their religion it had been um, the way of the of their world was to baptize a baby um, mm-hmm. to baptize a person as a baby yeah. and um, like the Catholics yes yeah. and <laughs> that, that <laughs> Now they um, they changed it to the age of 16 because mm-hmm. they thought that the person needed to be able to choose, mm-hmm. um, to have a cognizant awareness of what it meant to be a witch and to choose that path. Mm-hmm. And so I really actually like that part of the story where they, um, because yeah, just mm-hmm. like in Catholicism and, um, and other religions, you're baptized as a, as a child and you're brought up in that world mm-hmm. without a choice. Yeah. Um, did they say they made these changes uh, to adopt the knight at 16 because of the Salem witch trials where, where a lot of witches betrayed their own because mm-hmm. of the fear of death and... Yeah, you know. uh, basically, yeah. They, um, uh, they Basically, all the changes made to, I guess, like the Church of Night was made after the Salem witch trials because the greatest betrayal of witches betraying witches yes. um, uh, was was a thing. So uh, I guess the problem that arose was that maybe some of the women or men who were baptized didn't want to right. be witches. They resented yeah, it. They resented it, and so they were uh, only all too happy to betray other witches. So this was supposed to cut down on the betrayal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, that's also when, I guess... They also decided to put on some other laws of what was forbidden and what wasn't mm-hmm. uh, forbidden to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was forbidden was um, a witch um, being married or having relationship with a mortal. Yeah. Uh, which is what we see in the beginning when we hear about the backstory of um, how Serena came to be. Um, her, mm-hmm. her, just like in the TV show, her dad was um, a witch and her... Uh, her mom was a mortal, and um, he actually had to ask permission in in the comic. He had to ask permission to be with the um, with her mom's name was Diana. Diana. Diana to be with Diana. But well, but there was a price to pay. Right. Yes. 
So uh, he wanted to be with uh, with Diana because he also uh, it sounded to me I don't know if it was really true love but it sounded to me like he just wanted uh, he in fact he referred to her as a vessel. Um, but yeah, what what was the price that he had to pay? His firstborn. Yes. Yes, his firstborn child. Um, but I don't think they had told Diana this. No, I don't think so either. Um, and I think in a manner they did because there was mentioned in the beginning of the book that that yeah yeah, that she had been sterile so they made a pact that the coven will help her give birth in return also for was it she was sterile or he was she was she couldn't have children yeah I think it was her yeah okay it was us who helped you bear right the I remember the uh, the the ants saying Mm -hmm. that or Mm -hmm. the council or the coven or whatever the coven yeah yeah it was the coven um so yeah we we see that uh and of course the firstborn child is sabrina mm-hmm. so um we see that backstory and what happens to the mother and um and it seems to me that he did have some some love for her because he he asked the council because the council wanted to kill, kill her, her. Yeah. Um, and he talked somehow talked the council into sparing her um, and alternately took her to a, a mental facility where they actually um, they lobotomized her mm-hmm. but I, I think also he actually cast a spell on her right before he took her to the asylum um, because he ta- he touched her face and he see- he said some words about forgetting. Or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but by lobotomizing her, I think they made her worse. It kind of made her like a vegetable. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it also maybe kind of like the spells wear off, so she would have remembered. Maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah. And also just like kind of to keep her in the institute as well, mm-hmm. because if they just made her forget. She would have still been seen, and she right. would have still been able to Absolute, go, You're absolutely go right. Around. I yeah. didn't even think of it that way, right. but you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Which we find at the end, or towards the end, um, is not a very uh, good thing to be when you're <laughs> in a mental position to have to, to be lucid of what's going on around you. So mm-hmm. another part of the storyline, which was a great part, which I really, really enjoyed, um, was Madam Satan. Um, Madam Satan actually, um, just like a lot of the other uh, characters in here, was uh, a character in uh, an Archie comic from way back in the day. I don't know what decade it was, but um, she was part of an Archie um, signature book called, uh, what was it? The Chill... No. It was called Pep. It was Pep Comics number seventeen. No, it was Pep Chilling Comics Advent- number sixteen. Oh, sixteen. I'm yeah. Chilling Adventures of Sorcery is uh, the the book that uh, the Archie book that used to horror anthology that used to come out. Is that the one that she was in? No, um, uh, um, uh, um, uh, Chilling Adventures of Sorcery was actually what inspired the title oh, of, the, okay. of the comic Chilling gotcha. Adventures of Sabrina. Um, uh, Pep Comics number 16 that was published in 1941. Oh, wow. Um, and that's when uh, Madam Satan made her, made her, her first debut. Of, her debut. Okay. And, um, um, wait. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in issue number 16 and number, and number 17 is when where she appeared basically. Okay. And actually in the trade paperback there mm-hmm. is an um an excerpt of some of that original Madam uh Satan comic. 
And I actually read this uh, when it came out. Uh, I think it came out in one of the single issues. I read it. It was actually really good. I really liked it a lot. Um, but the character in this trade paperback, uh, the the Sabrina trade um, of Madame Satan, is actually she is uh, an old flame of uh, Edward Spellman, who is Sabrina's dad. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, uh, Edward and uh, Madame Satan. I don't know what her real name is. Iola. <laughs> Iola. Okay. Iola. They they were real hot and heavy to the point where Iola thought that he was going to marry her, and mm-hmm. uh, instead he takes her out on this really awesome romantic um, date to break up with her and tell her that he's choosing a mortal over her. Yeah. And you have to imagine what kind of uh, a feelings that that brings up in a witch who she's just uh, solely like. She she just goes. She's just goes really upset, and yeah. then she says, mm-hmm. "You can't do it. The council won't let you do it." And he's like, "Oh, I already spoken to them." So that's like another freaking right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's been doing this, this, this for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you've already done all this, and you're still with me, and you're leading me on, and you take me on this trip to the zoo, and I think you're going to propose, but mm. you're breaking up with me. Right. Not only that, you've already like worked things out, like yeah. with the council, you. You cad. (laughs) And the way that she, those emotions that she has, the way that she deals with them. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Like, she, she, I I don't know how much this takes. I want people to read the book, but, like, she definitely um, acts out in a way that you would not necessarily expect uh, her to. And um, it's like so like dramatic. It's yeah, it's uh it's very much uh well, like a witch. Like the, whole, <laughs> the the entire meaning of hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Yeah. Uh, uh yes. This is like this, multiplied by ten. Yeah, this is like oh uh just to give away some of her monikers. Uh, she they call her the devil's concubine, the queen of hell. Yeah. So you like she actually went like like she. She she went up in ranks in hell too, mm-hmm. like yeah, uh, exactly. So like, just to, to be referred to as the queen of hell, you you know you know she you know she <laughs> you know she's gonna be that vengeful, wrathful uh, witch, right? Uh, that is out to get like the dad, the 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 um, Ed, well Edward Stallman, his wife, his children, and his children's children. Is it like that right. was possible? <laughs> like like she she's out for the whole shebang, like. So the way she gets to hell was the the part that I was saying was super dramatic. But, yes, mm-hmm. the way she comes back from hell and the schemes and plans that she puts into motion to basically get her revenge for mm-hmm. this, exactly like you said, mm-hmm. uh, this uh, scorned woman coming back with nothing but revenge on her mind. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think she only had revenge i mean because her original plan was to reunite with her lover so yeah and she surely didn't stick with that very long Mm -hmm. like as soon as she remembered (laughs) what had happened she just like yeah blamed that tree yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) wow let's just say there's fire involved and Uh a lot of stuff happened yeah i mean she it's really um it's a really great plan and for me again to to think of it as an archie world i'm just like Wow, this totally just totally blew my socks off. I mean, got dark fast. Really, I mean, it was dark from the beginning. I mean, giving up your firstborn, but just like yeah. the, the the progression of the story to go even darker and even mm-hmm. I would dare say gory. 
Oh, yes. Oh, yes, definitely. That's one thing that stood out to me when I first started reading these single issues because I didn't know either what to expect when I first started reading it. And um, that's one thing that stood out to me is it's super gory. And just Madam Satan's face mm-hmm. is like, when I first saw it in here, I was like, oh, the my gosh. The stuff gosh. of nightmares. Yes. The yeah. stuff of nightmares. Yes. Uh, in, in Sandman, the Corinthians. Oh, yes. Like, more terrifying than that. Like, yeah. when I first saw the Corin- Corinthian, I was just like, I'm going to have nightmares about this, dude. <laughs> yeah. And I actually have. <laughs> well, it's interesting yeah. that you say that because uh, uh, Roberto, when he was pitching this Sabrina, um, he was talking to uh, oh, that's to the right. CEO and publisher of Archie Comics and was like, look, I have already written Afterlife. And to me, that was a love letter to Alan Moore's Swamp Yeah. Let me write Sabrina because that would be my love letter to Sandman. Yes. And wow. I was just like, now that you mentioned it, yeah, that's yes. true. It's just like there's, there's very much a Sandman kind of element yes. to this. Like, yeah. oh, I got chills yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That connection just made everything. Had you handed me this book and said it's kind of a Sandman-esque <laughs> feel, I would have been like reading it like that same day. But... But you're right. You're absolutely right. Reading it, even the artwork and some of the feel to it was definitely like, it, it took me a little bit back. I mm-hmm. mean, it was something that I actually um, fell in love with and, and grew into love with like Sandman. And mm-hmm. it, I love this. I love this. And saying that, I just, now it, it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, um, I just, I really, really loved it. And I, I actually really do like Sabrina. Um, uh, mostly, not only just because I really liked uh, the Sabrina from the TV series, who I grew up with and I yeah. absolutely love. Yeah. And um, uh, but just like once I got because uh, the Sabrina in the TV series didn't know she was a witch until she turned sixteen. Right. Right. And right. in this one, she grew up into basically right. knowing about witches. And once that, once I basically processed that, I was just like, oh, it makes sense. And I was just like, okay. So, the Sabrina who is in the TV series is basically one who's trying to live a normal life. Whereas the Sabrina is this one is just like, I'm a witch. Yeah. This is what I do. Right. This mm-hmm. is, it's what witches do. And it's just like, because even if she chose out to live the mortal life, she would still have these powers. Yeah. She just wouldn't live as long. Mm-hmm. And so, I was just like, this is, yeah, this is, this is, like, if you grew up in... Basically, if your whole family just happened to be witches, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, isn't this how you would basically be? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't know any different. It's right. this is what, what you feel comfortable with. I yeah. mean, for, for instance, I mean, just when she was sick, she threw a tantrum and she was, to, yeah, know, she yeah. was like making everybody kind of float. Yeah. You know, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, you can't make us float. You got to right. put it down. Um one thing I wanted to ask you guys, do you take anything from this story and kind of see a similarity in the um, in the uh, TV series at all? For me, it was Salem, the cat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the only thing that was true from the comic to the TV show. Because yeah. Salem is still that smart I was going to say, yeah, yeah. He, he did have that kind of the personality, comic, comedy, comedy, yeah. Yeah, comic kind of sour. Yes, yeah. yeah. I loved it. I loved it. I loved the cat. That one... 
I did love. I love the cat. I love Salem. Salem I, was I awesome. Love he Salem. was so hokey with the the actual puppet uh, on TV, but he was definitely one of my favorite characters. <laughs> exactly. And I, I, I really loved him in the book. I mean, he was trying to be protect uh, the protector, yes. um, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. familiar, but at the and that's another thing that they didn't even explain in the show that he was the familiar. Yeah, uh, that he was Sabrina's familiar. Right, exactly. Um, the the one uh, the animal that the witch attaches its herself yeah, uh-huh. to. Um, mm-hmm. But knowing this in the comic book right offhand, and then knowing he was immortal before, that was trying to conjure up the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That yeah. was funny. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was and I really love the way he's 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 funny but trying to be protectful yeah, and then yeah. he's kind of sarcastic at in a way and yeah. I really love that the that whole like um different steps in his character I loved it yeah uh, well that definitely uh was similar to me but also her relationship with Harvey was um similar because Harvey yeah. was always the one in the TV show yeah and um they were always together and, and it was a classic teenage relationship she you know had um uh, this uh crush on him and then they started dating and um I and here in the book too although um the one thing that was uh in the book I don't remember seeing the TV show um her cousin uh, helped put a spell on Harvey, on Harvey yeah. so that yeah. he would like her. So I mm-hmm. I kind of wasn't so keen on that part. And and that's the part that kind of like I'm like this isn't an Archie comic. Like <laughs> <laughs> this girl is casting a spell, a love spell. Yeah. Like how desperate can you get? But right. it, it worked yeah. out. It worked out actually. Yeah. Um, not for her. <laughs> 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 no, but, it but looked like it was gonna work <laughs> out. Yeah. I mean, but you know what? In the back of my head, I was thinking about um, that that witch's movie where the girl casts a spell and then he gets all. Uh, I forgot what it's called. She's a, when she's like she comes off the bus. She goes, "Watch out for those weirdos." We are the weirdos, Mister. <laughs> I forgot what it was called. Uh, craft, the craft. Oh, oh right. Right. like when she cast a love spell, he was just like too obsessed with her to yeah. a point where he almost raped her. That's kind of like the feel I had. I'm like, oh no, Harvey's oh. gonna go bad, but yeah, but it wasn't that bad. Yeah, so. yeah, because no, well, it wasn't exactly a love spell. She said she didn't want it to be a love spell. Mm-hmm. She just wanted um, uh, and from what I read, uh, as I was reading it, um, what you call it, it seemed more like. Like, maybe not, like, an attraction spell, if anything. Okay. To put, like, the interest there, but not to make him fall in love Mm. with her. Like, that would happen on its own natural course. Just kind of, like, to get them to meet and to actually talk. Mm -hmm. And then their relationship developed from there. Okay. Yeah, I could see that, because I didn't see him being all, like... Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can't breathe without you yeah like, yeah like th- that's what i would think love spells would be but no this was pretty pr- like i said it was it worked out really well like it wasn't like all oh, i gotta have you kind of thing. yeah yeah so that and then also the ants hilda and zelda were big parts of the tv show and mm-hmm. they're obviously big parts here where they have taken her in as um oh their ward kind mm-hmm. of um because her father was their brother? Yeah. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Yeah. So like actual brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're 
taking him. Uh, one thing I did like um, was how they were explaining to her about making the choice and that they were um, they were sure to tell her, it doesn't matter what choice you make, we will support and love you either way. Mm-hmm. So right. if you choose to be a witch, great, but if you don't, we will still love you. I, yeah. I really love that about yeah. this story because it wasn't, like I was saying, even though she was brought up in the witch way, she was still given the choice to be free to choose whatever she wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like they even said so. The reason they moved away from where they were living, where was right. it? Um, uh, I forget where it was. Greendale? No. That's where they moved to. That's where they moved to. Was so that um, uh, Sabrina could be herself yeah. and grow into her full potential and then make a choice. Yeah. Whether she wanted to be a witch or she wanted to be a mortal. Because uh, where they were, I feel like it started with a W West something or other. Um, mm-hmm. They kept, uh, she w- she came home from school and the kids were making fun of her that she was a half breed and mm-hmm. also um, something about her mother uh, dying that, or something. That her father killed her mother yeah. or something yeah. like that. So, and she not really knowing what happened. Right. Like, mm-hmm. she would come home basically crying because these people were making fun of her because they knew her whole family history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, if you're going to live a normal life where you're not, like, predestined to, yeah. to be a certain way, we got to move away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're going to live a normal life, we're going to move away uh, and live in a um, <laughs> in a crematorium across the street from a cemetery. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. But, I mean, it worked out for them because, you know, they devoured flesh. Yes. So, you so know. That made me laugh where every time there was a death, they would say, oh, we get to save on groceries. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. a, uh, the surprise that I got was the, no cousin was ever mentioned, I think, in the TV, in the TV series. series yeah. And I actually very much ended up really liking her cousin. Yeah. Really and how, too. Yeah. like, you can kind of see that. Ambrose, is that? Yes, I think Ambrose. Yeah. Like, and I want to name my kid Ambrose now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, um, like, uh, like how maybe kind of in the beginning when he moved in, he was just so like, he he, he was, he was going to call her a half-breed. Yes. Yeah. Which, yes. I, which is like an insult. Uh-huh. And then, but, like, in three months' time, he was just like, oh, Cause I got your back. Yeah. Like, like, like you want me to reprise out? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you, you want you want me to cast like the meanest spell? I got you. Yeah. And I was just like, like, cause uh, that's kind of the relationship I have with my cousins and with my siblings as well. So I'm just like, yeah, like, <laughs> I, I like him. He's cool. Wait, what? What was the storyline be- behind why he came to live with them? Oh, he did something bad back in England. Um, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was like, from across the pond. I yeah. Forgot. I forgot. Oh, that's right, because they said, you speak like Ringo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, that didn't even, I didn't even register that. It's just when they said across the pond, I, I remember that they called the yeah. Atlantic the pond. Yeah, right. And so I was just like, oh, okay, he's from, yeah. he's from, he's from someplace in Europe. And the reason he came to me was because he outed himself. Yeah, by accident. That's mm. right. He mm-hmm. got mad and he cast a spell. And he yeah. removed some guy's arms. Yeah. Yeah. Arms, yeah. arms yeah. that. The hands. The hands. But he gave them back eventually. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually, <laughs> he said. But yeah, and instead of being sent into the nether realm. Nether realm. Right. Which yeah. is a real thing in yeah, the show. Yeah, in the show. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Instead of being sent into the nether realm, his, um, uh, basically, his also his aunt. So I'm guessing they have a baby sister. Mm, oh, could be. Yeah, because they're cousins, and they're not. They're not Hilda and Zelda's. Uh, he's oh, not okay. Hilda and Zelda's, and so I'm yeah. guessing there's a little sister or something, or another little brother. Yeah. Uh, which one call it? He was um, um, which one call it? What was I going with this? Oh yeah, they intervened and basically said, "Oh no, 
will take him in yeah. and I guess deliver his punishment. Or, or basically, it, I think he's leaving out exile for a bit, mm-hmm. maybe exactly. banishment or something. Yeah, they had said that they, you know, they would work with him to re- rehabilitate him. Yeah, and take him in uh, homeschool him is what he's done. So he doesn't go to regular school with Sabrina. Yeah, he's homeschooled with the aunts. Yeah, um, but that actually spared him from going to the nether regions, which is good. Yeah, so but then they become very <laughs> close. The nether realm, not the nether region. Did I say nether region, guys? Oh hey, either way, it'd be appropriate for this book because there's, <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's a lot of gyrating in this book. <laughs> <laughs> a actually, lot of dancing. I was going to say, actually, I, that was one of the panels I loved. Yeah. The way the artist portrayed them dancing, mm-hmm. the, um, the spell that they were doing at the end. Oh, yeah. I thought that was awesome. I yeah. Really, it really uh, brought forth the the movement and the gyration yeah. and stuff that they were doing. I really liked it a lot. I'm just looking right now to see if Sabrina is on Hulu or Netflix. Uh, That's a good idea because I would totally I would, catch I would, up I would on totally. that. This definitely made me want to rewatch it. Yeah, me all. too. Um, uh, but it, I, I, I really do like it. And now I want to read the coming... The, well, the issues that have been out. So now. the animated Sabrina is on Netflix, and the TV show is on Hulu. Oh, cool! Right so on. if you are interested in watching and catching up on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, um, there are currently seven seasons on uh, Hulu that you can watch. And Ooh. if you're interested in uh, continuing to read Sabrina, uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, there is a trade out. The trade ha- is book one, and it collects, um, I believe, the first five, is it? Or first six? First five. Okay, so it's the first five um, issues, and it's an ongoing series. It's still going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I will mention, though, is that um, it does sometimes take um, a lapse um, in time for the issues to come out because um, if you see everything that um, Roberto does in his life, now I can understand. I was always annoyed yeah. <laughs> that it took so long for them to come out because I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I know that he's a screenwriter and he's a playwriter and he writes comics and he's the chief creative officer of Archie Comics, he has a lot on his plate, and the fact that he's actually still on the front lines writing is kind of awesome. Um, So I'm giving him some slack now because um, he (laughs) definitely has a lot uh, on his plate, but um, I believe that we are on issue 10, I want to say. I can't remember, but... um, I think you're right. I think um, uh, issue 10. So that means a trade should be coming out soon for oh, book yeah. two. Um, but they, the single issues are um, a little bit harder to find. They, The print runs were not really that big. You might find them um, in the secondary market somewhere. Um, but uh, the first trade is out, and the second one should be coming out soon. So I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. So um, what are, are your guys' ratings for this book? Well, just for me alone, like, just the ending of book one, I'm already ready for book two. (laughs) So I'm just going to give it, like, I'm just going to give it the cherry chocolate stout (laughs) with with three conchas, three chocolate conchas. Oh, chocolate conchas. That's my rating. Oh, you know what? Um, I very much do like it, so I'm going to give it. 
Mm, yeah, three conchas. I'm going to give it three conchas and a glass of milk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like that. I don't drink milk. I'm definitely going to give it the three conchas. Even reading it for the second time, I actually picked up on some things that either I had forgotten or that I completely forgot because, like I said, um, there ha- were some time lapses between the issues. They didn't come out monthly for a while. Um, so even the second time reading it, it held up. I really loved it. Knowing more history about um, the, the the writer, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, um, helps me to actually really appreciate the, the work that he does put into this book and so I'll give it three conchas and um, like I said I don't drink milk so um, I'm going to give it with a, what did I do last time? A champurado. A champurado. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Well, like I said, guys, if you actually pick up this first trade paperback, I will guarantee you, you will want to pick up uh, the second one. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait. I was really, I love the ending. I'm not going to say anything about it, except I super, super loved it. Super <laughs> loved it. Yes, it's yeah. a little bit of a twist. That's what I will say. It's a it's a twist surprise ending, and that is um, one of the things that I missed the first time or had forgotten. So when I read it, uh, reread it, and I saw the ending, I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so... Um, and I think I'm going to, when the trade comes out for two, I'm going to have to reread that one again because reading them together is so much more helpful for the flow of the story than waiting for so long. But uh, if you can find them out there, definitely uh, pick them up and read them and um, enjoy them as much as we did. And let us know what you think. If you do, comment on um, on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Exactly. Um, follow us and um, let us know what you think, and if you have any other suggestions of books, um, please definitely drop us a line and let us know. Absolutely, guys. Absolutely. So, um, any recommendations before we end this episode, guys, on um, comic book-related movies or TV shows? Well, um, as we said, he has written Afterlife with Archie, and we, yes. uh, well, I highly recommend it. Uh, for reading it because it still has that same horror element and it's really, really good. Uh, on another note, uh, this upcoming Wednesday, November 30th, the first issue of the new Ghost Rider is coming out. <laughs> and so I'm super excited for that. And so um, uh, it is written by uh, um, uh, an Afro-Latino man and uh, it does feature a Hispanic um, uh, Ghost Rider, Robbie Reyes. Ooh, wait, who's the writer? Um, um, it's Felipe Smith. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I can't wait to hear more about that. Maybe we, maybe we should um, actually read that as a group. Yeah. You. That I'm would down. be great. I'm down. I'm, I'm down, too. The only ghostwriter I read was the Secret Wars tie-in, and so I don't feel like that really did its justice to mm-hmm. the characters. So. Ghost racers, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I'd like to recommend iZombie. I actually just picked up the trade paperback, oh, so I'm going to compare it to the TV show. Okay. Um, I think the third season is going to be out in March, um, and they just reached as many uh, followers of the first two seasons in order to produce the third one. Um, so it's not out yet, um, but if you want to catch up, it's on Netflix and Hulu. Um, it's a really good show. I really enjoy the actors. Um, but I want to see how it compares to the comic book. So that's my next step is to read the comic book. Um, speaking of the actors, the actor who plays um, 
major uh, is a regular at Heidi Ho Comics. The uh, he is so nice. He is so amazingly just cool and down to earth, and he is a comic book geek. I love that about him. Um, Robert, I don't remember what his last name is, but um, he is just amazing. And when he's in town um, and not filming, he stops by and he buys his comics at Heidi Ho Comics. So um, don't stalk uh, Heidi Ho (laughs) 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 looking for him. But just know that when you come into the shop, you're walking on the same tiles as he does. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So my recommendation for this week, um, I just read issue four of Neverland. It's a um, a black mask. I mean, I'm sorry, a 451 um, uh, publishing company uh, title. And um, Neverland is a retelling of the story, as you might guess from the title, of Peter Pan. And it's set in um, Los Angeles, uh, the east side of Los Angeles and some of the Hollywood and, and other areas. And um, uh, Peter is uh, like a, um, he's like a, a uh, club like kid or owner or something. Um, there, it, it's really like freak. Like I don't know the way it works. That's all I can say. It just really works. Hook is like a tattoo artist, and like um, uh, Wendy is like the daughter uh, of uh, a Los Angeles police detective. I mean, it just all comes together, and um, it's uh, Neverland, but it's N. V-R-L-N-D is the title. Wow. And Take out all the vowels. Yes, take out all the vowels. And if you're interested, um, 451 actually um, got a local band to do a completely, um, just for the comic book, um, original video and song. So what? look, mm-hmm. go to 451 or check it up, check it on YouTube. Maybe we can do a, a link or something. Um, but it's the song is so cool and it has a lot of imagery from the comics and um, a lot of the um, characters and stuff in it. But I highly recommend it. Um, issue four just came out. Um, I think it was maybe last week or twenty third. Okay. Mm-hmm. So not too long ago, um, and the way that it ended, it seems to be the end of the first story arc, and it should be continuing. So definitely um, check it out and pick it up, and 451 is a really great, they have a lot of great titles. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly recommend a lot of their stuff. Excellent. Excellent. I, well, I'm sold. I mean, <laughs> you know, when when you were going with it, I mean, of course, I kind of figured it was a Peter Pan thing, but, like, as you were explaining it, I'm just, like, looking at Jen, like, really? It works. Believe me, I yeah. have read it, and I very much do like Neverland, and it is an amazing comic. Oh, my God. That's so cool. I can't wait to see it. I, I, w- I actually would love to see the cover work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And check out that video. Um, it's really cool. I had, um, I was talking to some people at the 451 table at um, Stanley's Los Angeles Comic Con, and they're the ones who told me that um, there was a video, so I went and I checked it out, and it's so good and super catchy, too. Nice. nice. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. <laughs> well, that brings our show to a close, guys. Um, any shout-outs? Well, definitely always uh, catch us on Instagram. We are Comadres Ecomics on Instagram. And check us out on Twitter. Uh, I usually post a picture of our the upcoming books we're going to be talking about. And you can uh, tweet us at Comic Comadres. Excellent. And follow us on Facebook, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. 
We have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jennifer. Bye, guys. Bye.